Welcome to the Oxygen Mass Podcast. If you are here as a parent or caregiver, educator or grandparent, we are glad to have you listening. This program is geared for the autism parent, but we welcome and invite all who are drawn to be here with us. I'm Tara and I'm your co-host along with my partner, Beth. The title of this podcast, The Oxygen Mask, is based on a metaphor. Just as you are instructed on an airplane to put on your own mask before helping others, we believe we need to practice helping ourselves as parents so we can best help our children. Hi, I'm Beth. At the beginning of each episode, we'll turn that metaphor, that symbol of an oxygen mask, into a concrete practice, pausing a few minutes each day to quiet our busy minds and breathe into our bellies provides a surge of stress-reducing neurochemicals. With practice over time, we actually build pathways in our brains that help reduce our stress response. So even if you hit play on this podcast about to enter multitasking mode, please take a moment of pause for yourself. Let's begin. Close your eyes softly and bring your attention to your feet as they contact the surface beneath them, rooting you to this moment. Roll your shoulders back. Let them settle in a strong, relaxed posture. Take a belly breath in through your nose. Feel the sensation of air in your nostrils, in the back of your throat. Exhale slowly. Notice your chest fall and your belly soften. Draw another deep breath into your belly. Envision the cool air swirling up across your forehead. Exhale, picturing the warm air going down the back of your neck and over your shoulders. Bring your attention to your face, your temples, your jaw. Take a final cleansing breath in. At the top of your in-breath, bend your elbows and softly place your hands on your hips. Exhale slowly, perhaps letting a smile curl the corners of your mouth. Hold this posture for a few seconds as you open your eyes. Again, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to the Oxygen Mask Podcast. I'm Tara and I'm your co-host along with my partner Beth and we want to welcome you to episode three. We want to continue the conversation that we had from last time because we had some great feedback and so this episode we've titled We Are Listening. If you recall last time it's They Are Listening and I'll let Beth kind of set the episode up today. Sure. Yeah, so in They Are Listening, we talked about how important it is as parents to remember that our children are listening to our words and conversations and how that impacts how they see themselves. Um, And of course, the nature of our podcast, we want to empower and gently guide parents. And we did hear like some of our conversation caused a feeling of guilt or overwhelm about how do I really shift um, how things work in our conversations and practices at home and out in our communities. So um, we really mean it about when we said, once you know better, you can do better, and we want to celebrate that learning. Um, But let's go there. Let's talk about some of your feedback. Um, We talked about, I heard from some people about going to doctor's appointments or um, doing assessments of our children for services Um, IEP meetings, like these are places where it's just expected that our kid is in the room and we're talking about um, their struggles and support needs. So 
Yeah, so let's talk about that difference because we kind of talked about pivot points last time and there's a big difference between that casual conversation that you have with, you know, a stranger in the park that doesn't really understand autism and you kind of just want to not take the time to educate them maybe or, you know, to gently um, explain in a, in a strengths-based mindset is, is a little different than trying to change system-wide programs or, or things that are in place at clinics or schools and things like that. So... Yeah. Let's talk about that. Well, I, I would say, like, your investment level and the amount of energy you put into that is totally different. Like, somebody in the park versus a system that you rely on, that you um, are trusting um, professionals serving your child, and you're a, a team in doing so. Um, so the conversation from episode two that resonated with people a lot was about the waiting room therapy debriefs. Um and I just really think those are norms. Those are the default ways that some systems work. And we unknowingly walk right into those norms and we do what's expected because we go along to get along. We're getting what we need. And um, But how do we nudge those norms? I know for us in one of the therapy clinics for OT that we did, I just said, you know, I'm really not comfortable with talking in the waiting room about this can we debrief in a back area and we did that occasionally like it was sort of hit or miss and I would kind of it was awkward but I would say like yeah let's go to the back this time I just really had to step up and say like this is what I need right now right yeah I think that's happened um, a couple of times for me too and not I maybe haven't always voiced it, um, and so I think if I could go back and tell myself some advice, I would have maybe voiced it a little stronger at those moments. But I also would um, often follow up with emails, you know, and difficult conversations that I maybe didn't want to have in front of my child because I didn't want him to dwell there. Um, I've had email or phone conversations that are a little bit more private, so that's a way you can circumvent that very public space. Mm-hmm. Right. And we actually, in episode two, didn't we say like those follow-up emails and we kind of laughed like they're hard to do? They like, are hard to do. It, <laughs> it does feel like scattershot sort of. Um, sometimes I, I think I've emailed an update like three hours before the next therapy appointment. And right. some of that is about, I think, as we've gotten into emotional mental health stuff that I don't want to bring up those sensitivities or tr- kind of push into an anxiety area or right um and I don't I think my kid when we're in high intervention mode where we're having a lot of appointments he kind of can start to feel like a he's in a petri dish or something yeah they can sense it right like exactly so and I think that's happened in um IEP meetings too so we were talking about this off air a little bit but um, I know that it's kind of the norm to expect a child as they get older to participate in their IEP meetings. And so with my son being 14 this year, we thought, okay, he's old enough to advocate for himself and has been doing a good job advocating for himself. Um, so I decided that he should attend, right? <clears throat> and I, it didn't go well. <laughs> so he, uh, you know, did not really want to attend because here he's sitting in a room with not only his parents, but his teachers, his case manager. Um, I think there might have been a dean, you know, like all the intimidating people in his circle of influence at school. 
Um, and he has great teachers, and they get along with him wonderfully. So it's not that he has any issues there, but it's really intimidating to sit mm-hmm. in a circle to talk about what do you like about school, what do you not like about school, with all the people that you might be saying bad things about sitting right there. So he was incredibly grumpy and really wanted to just take himself out of the room, and we he did. We, we just said, you know what, you can go because this is clearly not, not mm-hmm. productive for you. And I thought about it afterwards, and, and I felt bad for putting him on the spot. We had talked about it ahead of time, but um, and then afterwards we, we decompressed, and I just said, you know, you don't have to ever attend those meetings if you don't want to, but I do want you to give your feedback as to what's working for you and what's not working for you. Mm-hmm. And we can do that one-on-one. You can do it one-on-one with your teacher, whoever you feel you know most comfortable with. So we just shifted and and mm-hmm. i realized that that's not um that's not a norm that's going to work for him mm-hmm. so we we're, we're going to do it one on one from now on or even a written format i haven't tried that yet but a q and a i think yeah. would be helpful so yeah we did that we did um i basically had a list of what's not working what is working and this was a meeting we called around a specific issue of i don't like school was the statement we kept getting and a lot of refusal a lot of anger and so I said what is working what is not working and we put some things literally I put the list that my son wrote on the table um, and we reviewed it as a group and and one of those meetings he was in on and and clarified some things added some information and that was helpful Um, but in a I think after a while he didn't feel yeah I think that was one experiment that we had in the next meeting we didn't do but I think there are there's so many resources around ways to do this even integrating um, the so accommodations at school would probably be around written instructions of things written schedules and right. so like having an agenda having you know following yeah. through with each of the points that we discuss or writing, taking notes on a board of what we're hearing. Um, These are all these different ways that I want to dig into myself because we're totally at that stage. Yeah, and I think um, you bring up a good point. I was just thinking that um, some of those accommodations things, Alex doesn't really like to be um, different than his peers, and Mm -hmm. yet there's certain things that... Um, we need to put in place for him that is an an accommodation that maybe he doesn't even know is an accommodation um, in order to help him be successful Um, because he doesn't know the the, excuse me the behind the scenes sorts of things that are going on in a school right Mm -hmm. so we've adjusted certain goals reading goals because maybe his reading isn't quite as quickly quick as some of his peers um, but he doesn't want to have differing goals, right? So, but having those conversations with teachers so that they understand, you know, he is trying his best, and the purpose of the reading goal is to get him to read, and he's reading every night. So it's working, but that goal might not be um, uh, reasonable for him. So mm-hmm. having that conversation in front of him is not going to be productive because that's only going to make him feel lousy. So mm-hmm. I do think the whole, you know, being in person in an IEP meeting maybe needs to be adjusted for the kid, right? And there are some kids that are wonderful advocates for themselves and and should speak up. And I do think, you know, as as his age um, increases, and we've done this over time too, you kind of have to meet the child where they're at, right? So as he gets older, I want to teach him how to speak up for himself and Mm -hmm. how to say, hey, this is what I really need in this situation, because eventually he's going to be an adult and have to do that on his own. Right. So it, but it just depends on the on the progress level. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and often, really, to be honest, in 
some settings, at least for us in middle elementary, just saying that he's going to be at the meeting is ground, <laughs> a little bit groundbreaking or pretty unique, I think. Right. I, I don't know the norm of other people at school, but um, just that and, and how to think through a little bit ahead of time what that might look like or other ways like I really think for us the best thing was that what's working what's not working input you know that's pretty clear Um, yeah I wanted to circle back too to something that um, came up in feedback from the last two weeks or last two episodes I guess Um, it's something that Beth and I are so fluid at talking about strengths mindset because it's just been in our vernacular for a while now and we kind of want to go back and um, and make sure that you understand that like she said, if, once you know better, you do better, and there's no guilt and shame, and you know we've made plenty of mistakes too. Um, but we aren't ignoring talking about deficits, and so I want to make sure that that's really understood, that we have to address deficits and struggles that our kids are having. Um, we have to do that in order to get the services and help that they need, and that's the way systems are set up. And um, you know, unfortunately, it's hard as a parent to sit in you know, an evaluation, whether it's medical or educational, and just kind of go through the check boxes of, okay, he can't do this and he can't do that and he can't do this. That's it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow, <laughs> but we have to go through that process um, and kind of swallow that pill and understand that this is how our child is going to get the help that he or she needs. So when we say we're coming from a strengths mindset, it's not that we're glossing over that. We certainly um, participate in that and advocate for those evaluations. We need them. Mm-hmm. We just don't dwell there. Um, you're going to go into that meeting and you're going to fill out you know, your questionnaire with those stupid little bubbles and, and you got to do them however, you know, every year, every three, three oh years gosh. or whatever it is. And it's hard, right? Um, oh my gosh, last time we had those due, it was like 10.30 the night before uh, we needed to turn them in. And we spent like, both my husband and I, like two hours I know. things I out. I usually maybe had a glass of wine when I did mine. <laughs> <laughs> but we kind of, you know, you got to go through that process because you have to do what you need to do in order to get the things addressed um, that need to be addressed. Just don't dwell there. Take care of it. Um, get the help that you need, and then continue to tell the rest of your child's story um, in other circles, you know, outside of that evaluation, whatever mm-hmm. it needs to be. Just don't don't dwell there. It has to be both and. You have to address the deficits and struggles, but we don't want you to sit there. We want you to um, talk about strengths, but we also don't want you to just sit there either. You have to mm-hmm. do both. So. Right, and it can feel like a major stretch, like a personal mental stretch, Um just talking about the evaluations or IEP meetings, um, I have learned to I not make other plans on days that yeah. I have IEP meetings. I think most parents would agree that they're sort of wiped out and a little bit scattered yeah. after those. And so if you can, try to accommodate and give yourself time to bounce back yes. because it's hard. Yeah, and I've equated it to, um, you know, and most of us have had jobs where you've had to go through your yearly evaluation or, you know, mm-hmm. review or whatever. And so imagine, you know, that sort of situation only with the whole team of people that you work with and all those people are coming to tell you all the things that you do wrong and where can you improve and how are we going to make a plan for you to improve and then tack on like your mom is sitting next to you. And yeah. that's how I always feel right. the, the mom. Like I want to get up and fight all these people because you're mm-hmm. talking bad about my kid. But it, it is really taxing. And I think Beth makes a good mm-hmm. point that you have to honor that 
that is taxing on you, and you, it's something you have to go through because that's how you, mm-hmm. you know, help your child. Um, so go easy on yourself. Yeah, right. <laughs> Try to. And, and I think we emphasize strengths a lot because it's not as it's not part of the defaults and norms of a lot of spaces that are important to us. And so um, to really uh, build up our vocab and try to have a balanced diet sort of 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 those two lenses. Yeah, I think that's where we come from. That's our sort of advocacy platform is to say yes and don't forget about, you know, their strengths. Right. Right. And actually I wrote one thing that I was just thinking about um, it's thinking about the we going into deficit sort of frameworks and lists and, and and evaluations and just really it's not about you and the difficulty of doing that. It's about what your child needs right now. And that's um, that's hard to say. That's like something that is that I'm struggling with right now. Like there's some areas that I need to pull up my bootstraps or whatever <laughs> a little bit more and do the hard thing because I'm holding us back in ways because I'm tired or overwhelmed by a process. So just to name that as something we all experience. Absolutely. That is certainly valid. And, but you're right. You kind of go, okay, well, this isn't about me and I can sit down and fill out the little circle thingies that I need to do, even Mm -hmm. though it's not fun um, because you, you get, you have to get past that in order to get your mm-hmm. child the help that they need and address the things that are um, a, a, an issue right at the moment, mm-hmm. you know. So I always say, like, when autism is getting in the way of life, that's when we need to figure out what, what do we need to put in place in order to get around those obstacles of quality of life. So Right, and really that quality of life picture, what are the frustration points, the hurdles, and, you know, prioritizing these things one at a time for the forms you have to fill out right. and get the access to supports that you need, but um, also just the struggles in your family life. Um, I know one of our very favorite um, autism coaches really guided us to, there's three buckets, okay? There's bucket A, bucket B, and bucket C. Like, what are your maybe safety and health issues in bucket one or, mm-hmm. like, things that you need to address right now? Um, and bucket B is where you're going to put other things, other issues that, yes, they are bothering you or are a struggle or are similar kind of hurdles, but they are not impacting quality of life quite mm-hmm. as much every day or as frequently. And then bucket C is I'm going to have to go after that later. And yeah. So don't say, oh, I'm not doing anything about all these other things that are going on for us. But going back to say this is my bucket A, I've chosen these two things in my bucket A. Yeah. Do you have examples of ways you've thought of that? Well, yeah, I'm thinking like, oh, and I've always kind of tried to keep, um, and this might not be what you've thought of but mm-hmm. I'm like where would I place the the stuff that is long term like I'm always kind of keeping my eye on the long term vision mm-hmm. my um, goal for my son is to be a independent uh, self-sustaining adult right yeah. for any of my kids yeah. um, to whatever capacity that looks like so in order to get there like there's certain things that he has to be able to do so like lately I've been teaching him you know household chores that he can be responsible for mm-hmm. so those 
are longer term sorts of things. I think bucket A is sort of those like, um, we have to put this fire out right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then bucket B is maybe those longer term goals that are going to have a real impact later on, um, teaching them to, mm-hmm. you know, tie their shoes or do the dishes or, you know, get on the bus safely. Those sorts of things mm-hmm. are <clears throat> things that we need to address um, and that aren't really important, but maybe aren't hair on fire important. <laughs> when he was young, it was more so, okay, he's not brushing his teeth, and he hasn't brushed his teeth for four years. We need to get this started. Mm-hmm. So that was plan A, you know, that was definitely yeah. the first thing we, we tackled. Or tantrums, you know, and how that was preventing us from getting to the store or getting to school on time. Mm-hmm. Those are things that we had to prioritize first. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is what did it look like? Very young. Very you know? young. Yeah, that was probably, That's probably the most intense where everything feels bucket A. <laughs> everything felt bucket A. Yeah. yeah. Um, my bucket wasn't big enough. Right. So, I, yeah, it was a lot of, um, okay, things, the tantrums kind of got in the way of a lot of um, things that we wanted to do just daily living. So, mm-hmm. like I said, getting to the store. So how are we going to get to the store and kind of backtracking mm-hmm. that and, and working through a plan and then letting some of those other things go. And I think, too, a really good example is in those tantrums, we went from pretty severe, like, um, physical damage to things, hitting, mm-hmm. spitting, kicking. And eventually they got less and less, um, less intense, less uh, or uh, less in duration. Mm-hmm. Um but then they would kind of circle back around and be some things like, well, there was a time when he learned how to curse. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I was like, well, he's cursing in the proper context. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take that as a win. And it's not hitting and it's not spitting. You know, he is mm-hmm. angry and he's still trying to work through his anger. And it's no, it's not appropriate for a seven, eight year old to be mm-hmm. swearing. But in the context of, okay, that was a, a progression, and now we'll work on mm-hmm. that as bucket A. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like breaking down probably bucket A into smaller buckets at right. the time. Right, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certainly, there's a lot of, when you're in the struggle of it, there's a lot to yeah. take on at once. But I think if you can break it down into you know, mm-hmm. one thing at a time. And the other thing is if you're co-parenting to mm-hmm. like just to say, you know what, that's a bucket B right now. Like, yeah, because, yeah, it's a good shorthand. Oh, oh my gosh, you can feel so guilty, like like I have no standards. And, yeah. you know, you can look at each other yeah. like you're the enemy sometimes. Um, what was I going to say about, oh, for us it was like sensory seeking and climbing mm. and pulling down blinds and falling <laughs> off of furniture. I mean, it was just sort of like that felt. Um, and then I had an infant at the time, um, my daughter was just a newbie, and so she was collateral. Like, so you right had there. bucket A with safety issues. Right, yeah. 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 Of, of we need to, and I need to get to the schedule where we get outside at least once right. in the morning or we will <laughs> damage something in damage the house. Damage something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, you can't take on all the things, but I think that's mm-hmm. a good framework to uh, put those into that context, yeah. like, okay, you can't do all the things all the time, so mm-hmm. try and work on a couple of little goals at a time. Right. And then the, I hear a lot of people doing food therapy or mm-hmm. um, the sleep stuff. I don't know that we ever really got sleep resolved. Um, I wish there was I don't want to say, but sleep has always been easy for us. I know Are you serious? One of those rare, oh, yes, wow. he's one of the very rare kids that yeah. did not have sleep issues. Uh-huh. Yeah. If we Sometimes have any... He, 
He yeah. still does now, but he's a teenager, so he's kind of going through that, like, uh-huh. staying up later thing. And mm-hmm. so that's, I think, actually pretty typical. So Okay. I just, I know sleep struggles are super common oh, for us. It, it kind of phased out around six or seven, That and I still, like, I feel like I'm still catching up. Like, I have a yeah. sleep debt into my <laughs> 50s you or something. <laughs> you know, I wanted to loop back really quick. We talked about debriefing in, like, therapy spaces. We went into IEP meetings. But one of the things um, was the doctor office visits and how do we um, bring up issues. So this, I'm thinking of more specialist or pediatrician sort of Mm -hmm. things where this is a one-time shot in one to two years that you're going to talk to this person. You have a lot to accomplish in that space and your kid, it's expected and necessary that they're there. Um, For us, what I have done since I would say for about three years now. It used to be just good enough to check in in the room and say what we're up to, essentially. Like, mm-hmm. we're doing a round of OT, and we love the the awesome equipment or whatever, you know, or this is what we're up to. Um, and then and since then, I've written, like, just a one-pager, celebrations or struggles or both, and this is what we're pursuing, so um, in terms of therapy or what, what we have going on there. But um, so we'll write things like, one of the celebrations is we moved or we got a dog and then I'll write like this was super stressful and we (laughs) had some major meltdowns but we're coming back or whatever um I mean I really try to keep it brief and then I give that to the nurse when we check in for our appointment in hopes that the doctor will at least get to skim it before he comes Mm -hmm. in and this isn't like the outlines I give you for our podcast this is like (laughs) (laughs) like maybe five bullet points under two sections um and then he gets to say and about this one and he'll he can point Mm -hmm. to it that is totally expected so we were really having some intense anxiety and I was kind of freaking out about it and um not to him but on I it was part of the bullet list on um on my little check-in sheet with him and he kind of pointed to it and that is pretty expected and if it gets to this point you'll want to check back in with me and so then we didn't really have to revisit all of our stuff well and it keeps you on track too because I feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. those meetings um you know can wander a little bit and if you if you don't have that sort of checklist of things that you want to make sure you address or bring up I love that idea I love Mm -hmm. the the one sheet for a variety of reasons or a variety of situations you know Mm -hmm. like um, my kiddo has gone to scout camp and will be going this this um, summer to a different camp so it's a little bit different situation and I'm going to create that one pager Mm -hmm. for them in the context of camp like here's you know some of his strengths and this is what he's really good at and um, this is how he may react under stress and what to do mm-hmm. about that if it comes up, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it, having been at scout camp and been a leader at scout camp before, it is super helpful to have that kind of cheat sheet when a kid is yeah. having a difficult mm-hmm. time and you can refer back to it and go, okay, well, that's expected and there might be tears and, okay, everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can move forward. So it's just another form of communication in a way that you can um, focus on strengths again and advocate for your child mm-hmm. and help make things a little smoother for everybody. But it can be used in all kinds of contexts. Yeah. I love that you bring it to a specialist um, yeah. uh uh, point that that's a great point to to bring it to. I think, and you're describing for scouts almost the sheet we had in the show notes of episode two, right? Yeah, a little snapshot, like one of a pager. Kid. Yeah, yeah. 
And this, I think this one for the pediatrician, he's seen that one and yeah. probably has it in, on file, but I do have more context-specific like Specific stuff for of, that time. In the last year. Yeah. So then I save, I save, it's a running document, and I just print the, the four notes yeah. that I typed up for 2019 or whatever. And That's a great idea. Anyway, and then I have this running little memory list of the most concise version of what we've been up to. Okay, so let's go back and recapping what we've talked about. We wanted to come in to this episode talking about the context in, the, in systems when we're talking about our kid, getting services and supports for our kids, how we navigate those. And I think one thing to be really conscious of is there are rarely truly enemies that we're working with here. When we're fearful or feeling vulnerable or angry, we want to point fingers at individual people. And it's often like these clinicians or the doctors. They're the brunt of it, right? Yeah, yeah, because that this is what emotionally is just natural to do. But just to really try to remind ourselves, there are rarely enemies in these systems. It is there are plenty of systems that are broken or strained and not working very well and hard to navigate. Um, but we can really assume that care providers and educators are doing the best for their kids. We need to start out from that collaborative approach. Um, and also, they don't know what they don't know in terms of our family's preferences or experiences or comfort levels. Um, so they can, it, if we don't name it, it's not going to change. So when we talk about shifting the norms of systems and ways we want to interact with them, we need to, to speak up. Um, and we'll never know what's possible if we don't ask. It can feel vulnerable because we rely on these people and we trust them with our children. Um, yeah. But these are all, this is the, the places that these people work and the systems they're in are about health care so, and, and education, these areas where we're building up and growing our kids. So Yeah, I've never met um, somebody who doesn't have a big heart in this arena, mm-hmm. right? So they're... Yeah, it's always good to come from a place of assuming that everybody wants what's best for your child. How they get there might be a difference of opinion, and that's where you can have conversations Mm -hmm. about making some changes. But I think always coming from a position of collaboration, um, Mm -hmm. I've always assumed that I am the expert on my child, and whoever I'm working with is the expert in their systems of Mm -hmm. support and resources, whether it's healthcare or education-based. And how do we meet together on those things? Mm -hmm. You know, let me help you, you help me, and what we Mm -hmm. do together ends up being the best for my child. So I think coming from that lens is really helpful. And it's not to say that you can't put boundaries in place and when things aren't working right, absolutely, you should speak up. But um, it's going to be a lot easier to speak up when you're already on that collaboration page versus Mm -hmm going into that meeting with guns blazing and I'm going to change the world and you're going to do this and that. Right. It's, it's really abrasive and, and it's not really the place that a lot of these providers come from. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they have big hearts and they wouldn't be doing what they're doing if um, they didn't and mm-hmm. if they didn't want to be helping mm-hmm. make a difference in the world. So Yeah, you might get into guns blazing mode sometime but start sure. in collaboration yeah. mode. and <laughs> There's a place. But. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and that might also look like more two-way communication. Like I just received a whole bunch of information information from um, one of our providers and I I sort of said like I appreciate all of this it's really valuable but we're in like 
kind of over intervention mode right now and we need to back off of that like so it's not about you it's about us and our family and our busyness level right now and things that we're up to so um, that was me inserting my family and our whole system into that dynamic instead of just the individual and the facts about the child and so um, yeah it's going to look different but we have to go there. So. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, and, and it's a wonderful topic um, mm-hmm. that Beth is bringing up about um, over-interventions and you know mm-hmm. self-care mm-hmm. as a family, and those are some of the topics we're going to be talking about in episode four and episode five. We're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to, why do we need an oxygen mask, um, and what it means to be mindful parenting, and also some of those other topics about um, information overload and how maybe you where do you start and not doing all the things all at once healthy boundaries and self-checks sort of Mm -hmm. yeah so stay tuned for those upcoming episodes we for sure have um three more episodes down the line here and we want to continue hearing your feedback um, because it's really helpful for us to know where everybody is at and what they um what's resonating with you and one last thing don't miss our show notes they are really good and full of great information to grab and run with We invite you to sit with or walk, kid chase, drive, or snuggle up with today's conversation in the back of your mind. Did you find kernels of joy or reassurance? Where did you feel some resistance? Let us know so we can learn and grow together. You can comment and subscribe to the podcast at www.cea4, that's the number four, autism.org. This is Communities Engaging Autism's website. Share the podcast with members of your village to strengthen those essential connections. And above all, please secure your own oxygen mask before helping others.